Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Father, thank you for this opportunity to stand bold and firmly in front of your people as your ambassador. God, right now, if you would, give me the spirit of Peter to speak with boldness and clarity, God. Let there be great conviction that resonates through my voice to the ears of those who are here in attendance today. God, I pray that these very words that you've prepared really, really, really inspire change, actually transformation in those in attendance. God, if you would bless this place this morning from center to circumference, I promise you, God, at the end of the day, I give you all the glory, all of the credit, God. I take none for myself. As a matter of fact, I would right now decrease so that you may increase in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen again. Chapter 7 is really, really interesting. It's, It's all about one man. It's all about Stephen. Uh, Stephen is, is, is preaching the word of God with so much conviction, and he is going on and on, and, and, and uh, it's offending the higher up people, the, the, the religious leaders. They're offended by what he's saying, and, and they're telling him, stop, and he's like, nope, I'm not going to stop it. You know, what are you going to do to me? I serve God, not you, and all of this stuff is going on. And so finally he goes before a judge, and they decide, you know, we got we to gotta kill him. And so while he's standing before the jury, many scholars will say that he was giving uh, his, his, his reason as to why he shouldn't be executed. But most scholars would agree that that wasn't what he was doing. He knew his fate. He knew that in the end, he was going to die. As a matter of fact, it was a great honor to die for what he believed in. That was preaching the word of God. And so he calls these religious leaders out. His final sermon, his final message was to just really make them look at their history, look at their current situation, and take true inventory, spiritual inventory of who they say they are and who they really are. And kind of left them with egg on their face. I want to I wanna share this particular scripture with you. These are the scriptures we're going to read today, and then I'm going to talk about who Stephen was. Acts 7 and 17 says this, As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. This is Stephen sharing some, some history uh, with these religious leaders at the time, sharing their own history. History. This is amazing. But this applies to us. As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. Let's make it personal. 
as the time drew near when God will fulfill his promise to Mosaic Church, the number of our people in America greatly increased. What I'm trying to tell you that in this whole thing is that God has all of this under control. Even when it seems that the odds are against the church here in America, even when it seems that the odds are against you personally, God has this under control. He made a promise to you and I many, many years ago. He made a promise to Abraham that resonates and is good and is valid for you and I today. When the odds are against you, please understand God has it in control. He is not a promise breaker. He is indeed a promise keeper. And I'm going to show you through scripture today how he kept his promise, how he kept his promise. Let's go down to Acts 7, 51 through 59. Stephen going in right before he goes into this message. He had just given an, an incredible historical message to these religious leaders Then after he tells them about their history that they're so braggadocious about, so proud about, so arrogant about, he goes into this. He says, you stubborn people, you are heathen at the heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so did you. Remember, he just told them about their people. He just repeated their history to them, stuff they already knew, the scriptures they had already read. He calls them out on it. Then he says, you stubborn people, stop resisting the Holy Spirit. That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. Name one. He's calling them out. Once again, they can't in their mind. They're now they're, 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 their mind is rolling. The, the wheels are running a little bit. Who didn't we persecute? Then he goes on. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. Oh, now he's bringing it current to him. He is literally, if there were cuss words, he'd be cussing them out right now. He says, you deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders at this point, y'all, were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. And they shook their fists at him in rage. Shaking your fist back then was like shaking the middle finger. It was very offensive. It it, it literally was the, the, the worst thing you could do to somebody. But Stephen, watch this, who was he full of? The Holy Spirit gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. See, when the Holy Spirit fills you up, regardless of what persecution you are facing, when the Holy Spirit fills you up, he begins to allow you to see your future. And it makes it much more easy, much more palatable to deal with the mess of the world because you see something greater than your right now, which is your future, which is promised, which is promised. This is really, really good. He says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. Let me pause real quick. 
why would they put their hands over their ears? They don't want to hear it. Huh? You ever been in that game? You ever been in that game when you were a kid and, and you and your person, you said, I said this. No, you said this. I said that. Nah, 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 boo, boo, I can't hear you. Nah, 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 boo, boo, I can't hear you. And that's what they were doing. They didn't want to hear the truth. The fact that they covered their ears, scholars tell us that the fact, the mere fact that they put their ears over their hands over their ears and began shouting so they couldn't hear him says that they were convicted by the very word of God. They begin, their hearts began to turn a bit because what he was saying was truth and it was breaking down walls and they were beginning to think about exactly what they were doing at that time. Were they guilty of these accusations? Yes. And they knew it. But they didn't want to face the truth. And many of us are like that today. We get offended when somebody calls us out about our sin, even if they do it in a loving way. We get offended when we're corrected about our lifestyle. We we get offended when we're not doing or living up to God's measure. We get offended when it's brought to light. A lot of us in many cases are just like these religious people. But hold on. Let me tell you more of the story. They rushed at him and dragged him out the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. This is the one. And as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't change them with this sin. Don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. That's the good news. Not that he died, but that even in the end, when they stoned him and probably yelled some explicitives at him while they were stoning him, he said almost the exact same thing our Father in heaven said, his last words on the cross. Father, forgive them. And he said the same thing to them. Father, forgive. Don't charge them with they, with this sin. They, they just don't know what they're doing. Let me tell you a little bit about this brother named Stephen. According to Scripture, Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit and great faith. If you go back and read Acts 6 and 5, they tell us he was full of the Holy Spirit. Remember in the last chapter when they had to find someone to run the food pantry for the widows, they said the Bible tells us clearly in Acts 6 and 5, They they chose Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. None of us can do what Stephen did unless we are full of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've shared with you all before, we already have the indwelling spirit within us. We just got to make it come alive in us. It's our business to make it come. He's already in us, but we've got to make him come alive Within us, Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit with great faith. That tells me this, that we can have faith but still not be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what causes us to act upon our faith. The Holy Spirit is what gets us in motion with our faith. We can have the faith, but without the Holy Spirit, we will stay stagnant and in one spot. We need the Holy Spirit to be mobile, if I can say that. The Holy Spirit and with great faith. He was also a man full of God's grace and power. 
He was full of God's grace and power to stand there before these people with all boldness and declare the name of Jesus and then call them out on their history. That, requ- that was power that was within him and that came directly from God. He had grace. So much so, one day he was a believer, the next day he was in charge of the pantry of thousands, tens of thousands of followers of Jesus. He had grace with God. He was also wise, according to Acts 6 and 10. He was a wise man. He made wise decisions. He was full of wisdom, according to the book of Acts chapter 10. Here's a part I want you all to really get, because as, as Christians, we got to get this. He was fearless. He was fearless. I don't think that, I'll be completely honest, I don't think that I'd have as much courage as he had standing before some people that I know are getting ready to kill me. I would still be trying to beg my way out of the death. I'm not the only one. Amen. I would be trying to figure out a way to manipulate them and say the right thing so they could say, you know what, we're just going to give you 10 lashes and you go on about your business. But no, Stephen was fearless. After he sat there and told them about their history and called them out, he calls them stubborn people. He begins almost cussing them out. Like, I don't care at this point. I know I'm going to die. He was fearless. You know why things are not changing in our country with our faith? Because we're not fearless. I was speaking with a, a man on yesterday, a good, you know, a good friend of mine that I just met, actually, in Alabama, and we were having a conversation. And it was actually uh, one of our worship leaders' dad. And uh, we were talking, and, and we were saying about how all of this stuff is going on with, with uh, Supreme Court decisions, racial tension, uh, persecution against the church. We can't even pray publicly anymore. In, in schools, I remember after saying the Pledge of Allegiance in public school, we used to say, we used to say a prayer, you know, uh, our country, tis of the, this land of liberty of the IC, lands of my father, and somewhere in it we talk about God. We don't even do that stuff anymore. We're changing based upon the world. We're allowing the world to change us. And what uh, our worship leader and her father said, what we said yesterday was like, the reason why? Because we're cowards. We're not speaking up. We'll be on social media talking stuff. We'll, we'll click like on stuff all day. We might type a few things. We'll, we'll like repost somebody's good quote, but we're not speaking up. We're not standing on the courthouse steps. We're not going there saying, hey, I want to make a difference. If it don't affect us, we're just like, you know what? Somebody else is going to take care of that. And this, listen, this man, Stephen, wasn't like that. He wasn't saying somebody's going to take care of that. He's saying, I've got a job to do. I've got to fulfill the mission of Christ. So whatever it takes, even if that includes my life, I am going to do it. And we're not like that here. We're not like that in America. I think that in, in a lot of cases, we have too much liberty. In other countries where our faith is growing leaps and bounds in places like Egypt in places like China and even in Africa, where it's growing leaps and bounds. You know why it's growing leaps and bounds? Because they can't do it openly. They can't pray and confess the name of Jesus Christ publicly without death. And because of that, and they believe that this man, this innocent man died and rose three days later for you and I, they, 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 they fall in love with this and they're anxious to share it with everybody. And every time they share it, they're growing and they're hiding because they don't want to face death. 
We can say hallelujah all day long. We're not going to face death. We'll just probably be told, please don't do that in public. But we're afraid of being told we can't do that in public. We have to be the change, y'all. We've got to be as fearless as Stephen was. But that's not my message today. I think that in order to be as fearless as Stephen was, we have to really believe and know without a doubt that if we decide to stand up, if we decide to do what is right and righteous in the eyes of God, that he has got our back. We have to believe that no matter what we do that would honor God, no harm in this world can come against us. We have to believe that. And so my message today is not about Stephen It's about Stephen feeling confident in this one thing called God's sovereignty. And I want to talk to you all about God's sovereignty. Now, this word sovereignty is not something we use in our regular English vocabulary daily. You don't walk around talking about, hey, you know, sovereign this, sovereign that. It's a very Christianese term, if you will. It's primarily used in a in a, in a religious context, but I want to talk about God's sovereignty. But let me tell you what this word itself means. The word uh, really means principle. Sovereign is principle, chief, supreme. It speaks first. Watch this. When we talk about God's sovereignty, it speaks first to his position. God's position. He is the chief being in the entire universe. So when we say God's sovereignty, we're speaking first to his position, the chief being in the universe. Secondly, we speak of his power, his power, which is the most powerful of force in the entire universe. He is the most powerful. He is he is very present. He is the most powerful God. The sovereignty of God means that he has total control over all things past, present, and future. Nothing happens that he doesn't allow to happen or that he doesn't control. Nothing in this world happens. So if we understand that, everything else will make sense. All that's happening in America today, God is completely aware of it. God knows exactly what's going on. And he has a plan to fix it. We've got to rest in his sovereignty, knowing that he is indeed in control. Stephen's review of Jewish history clears, gives a clear testimony of God's sovereignty. If we read through the book of Acts chapter 7, his, his, his review of Jewish history gives a clear testimony of God's sovereignty and his faithfulness. What he does to, to these Jewish leaders, he shows them how in each case, uh, God made a promise to Abraham and it wasn't easy. It, it wasn't like a walk in the park. The road wasn't smooth, but in the very end, what he promised to Abraham, he did indeed fulfill. If we look over it, God promises to, you know, God's promise to Abraham, we find it in Acts 2 through 8. He talks about it in uh, Acts verses, uh, chapter 2 through 8. Then God, I mean, verses 2 through 8 in chapter 7. And then, and then, and then we go further down, we find it that God's faithfulness through Joseph. Now, in case you don't know, Joseph was a descendant of Abraham. And y'all know the story of Joseph. His brothers tried to kill him, and he, he, he moved up in the ranks very fast, and he was like the prime minister of a land, and his brothers whom, who were going to try to kill him uh, traded him off to be a slave. Uh, and then there was a famine in the land, and his brothers had to come to him uh, for food, but he had a great opportunity to, to seek vengeance, but he didn't. God 
fulfilled his promise to Abraham. Then we go all the way down to, to, to uh, verse 17 through, through 19 in chapter 7 of Acts, and we see how Israel was rejected. There's Israel rejection of Moses. Moses was called. He was, he was supposed to be the next leader. He was adopted by the Egyptians, but, but the Israelites rejected him because of that adoption. And, but, but, but God still used Moses. Y'all, y'all know Moses uh, couldn't speak, right? He, he was concerned. God would tell him to go say this to Pharaoh. And he's like, yeah, but I can't talk. I got a speech impediment. God was like, let me fix that. Boom. And he fixed that. Huh? Yeah, y'all know, like, he says, yeah, but, 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 but Pharaoh has this incredible sorcerer, and, and so you, you got to give me some powers to do something magical to impress him, and God, like, you know, did some things to show him that he had power. The, the, what I'm trying to say is, if you didn't know this, Moses was also from the lineage of Abraham. Check your genealogy. He, God did not break his promise to Abraham. He fulfilled it through Moses and, and Moses did the greatest thing ever. He parted the Red Sea and then they were able to cross all over and, and I mean he did some amazing things. He did not break his promise to Abraham. So this is what you need to know about God's sovereignty as we live in this world full of chaos and calamity, as we go through life with our own personal struggles and convictions. You need to know number one that God is always in control. That's your first note if you're taking notes. God is always in control. It may not look like it sometimes. It may not look like it when you are facing challenges in your life. It may not look like it when you have a loved one on the deathbed. It may not look like it when your finances are like very short. It may not look like it when you are having issues in your family. It may not look like it when the doctor gives you a bad report. But baby, I'm here to tell you that God is always in control. I was having a conversation with a pastor the other day, and you all know him. His whole church came to worship with us. And they worshiped with us on a day uh, that was an incredible day. It was a day after a major tragedy happened in this country. And they came to worship with us, and the place was filled, and it was, it was a beautiful thing. But they were worshiping with us primarily because they had a plumbing issue at their church. The, you know, the lobby and stuff had flooded. So they decided to come and worship with us, and I thought it was great. And uh, one of the things I told that pastor, I says, listen, pastor, you know, and I said this to you all that same day. I said, listen, God will take those things that you look at in your life as bad and use them for good. See, the fact that they had that, that flood happening, it, it, it's no coincidence that it happened the week right after nine people were gunned down in South Carolina where a young man was trying to start a race war. Am I right about it? And then all of a sudden we have a predominantly white congregation worshiping with a predominantly black and Latino congregation all in one room the very next week. Sorry, the very same week. See, what looks bad, God will use for good. So, so they had the flooding issue. Well, one of the things they wanted to do was create space for their guest services in their church. Well, that flooding issue through the insurance allowed them to expand. So now they have space to honor those people who are visiting them for the first time. God will take a bad situation and point out the good. He makes everything redeemable, even though it may not look like it right now. God is in control. He may, you may be in a situation where you got fired. They let you go. But don't you know that God don't leave his people hanging? He always has something better than before. It may not start good, but there's something better. If he lets, if you got to let go from a job or something like that, he has something even greater for you. You just got to believe. He may move you from your neighborhood to another one. Why? Because probably you're needed there more. 
He may cause a church to close and have somebody else, a assistant pastor, start a brand new church. Why? Because Mableton needed a pastor. Oh, man, y'all going to catch that in a minute. God takes everything that may appear to be bad from the surface and makes it redeemable so it can be good. Why? Because he is always in control. Always in control. And it may not feel good at the moment. If you just read Jewish history, read the Old Testament, read it and look through how all of these people just start with Abraham and trace his whole lineage and see how God kept his promise. They had to go through some stuff. And I just want to tell you, God is in control. You may have to go through some stuff. But what does James say? He says, endure because it builds your faith. Oh, man, this morning that feels good to me. Second thing I want to share with you. This world is not the end-all, be-all. If we focus on everything that's in this world, including our own personal finances, our own personal wealth, our own personal greatness, if we focus on everything that's a part of this world, then we miss, a, we miss what the true blessing is, which is eternal things. The Bible even tells us, place our hopes on things eternal. Not what's on this world. Everything in this world will fade away. If we die and we and we, we before we die, we're a, a trillionaire, a gazillionaire. None of the gazillions are going to go to the grave with us. It's going to be left for somebody else to figure out what to do with it. If you didn't plan properly, the house you live in that you prayed over and that you worked so hard to get. You ain't taking that to heaven because there are only mansions up there. Oh, my goodness. I'm preaching this morning. Anything here on this earth that you Worked hard for, prayed for, and God, you can't take it with you. So stop focusing on worldly blessing and focus on the eternal blessing, which is in heaven. And I think that if we focus on that, we can do more for the church and help build up the kingdom and stop focusing on trying to be like the Joneses and the Williams and everybody else and the Oprahs of the world. We need to get it right. Stop focusing on worldly things. We can't even get upset about worldly issues. The Supreme Court justice system and all of that stuff that happened, that's worldly. They Listen, when they made their decision to, to allow uh, for man and man and woman and woman to be married, they didn't read the Bible when they did that. They did that worldly. We can't get all twisted up and all messed up because of a worldly decision, y'all. The world is not the end-all, be-all. All of this stuff will fade away, but God remains constant. That's not me. That's the Bible. His word is alive and well. We just need to dig into it every now and again. Here's my third point. God will always make things right. God will, watch this, man, God will make all things, he will always make things right. Even when Moses was hard-headed, when Moses decided to do things on his own, God still blessed him. Some of us in this room, including myself, I'll be the first one to admit it, have tried to go against the grain of God, and do you know he still blessed me, and I'm still shocked about it. And some of us in here have tried to go totally against the grain of God, do it our own way, knowing doggone well we should have been following the blueprint that he laid out for us thousands and thousands of years ago, but then find ourselves surprised that he still blessed us anyhow. Do y'all know what that's called? It's called grace. And it's the same grace that, that was offered to Stephen at the time that we were talking about here. 
It's God's grace that still blesses us even when we fall short of the mark. Even when we sin a thousand and seven hundred million times, God still extends his grace. You know why he does that? Because he knew the plans he had for you and they were for good. And God is going to get his good out of you whether you like it or not. Jeremiah tells us, I know the plans I have for you. They are not for bad. They are for good. So even if you go against the grain, God will say, detour, here you go, baby. I got you. I'm going to forgive you because I need you to finish what I started in you. I need you to complete what I started in you. God will always make things right. Always. Always. That, that alone gives me confidence to just keep on going. If I don't say nothing else today, let that resonate within you. Wherever you are in this place today in your life, I don't care if your marriage is up in the, in, in the air. I don't care if your finances, if it's a job, if your kids are acting crazy, God will straighten them rascals out too. He will always make things right, but you got to trust his timing. It's not about when you want it to happen. You've got to trust his timing. The hurt goes away if you're broken hearted today. The pain goes away. There is healing in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. Here's my final and fourth point this morning. You got to get this. All of that's good. That God is in control. Yes, hallelujah. The world is not the end all be all. Yes, hallelujah. God will always make things right. Oh, hallelujah. But you need to know this. He wants to use you. God wants to use you. See, God is so powerful and wonderful. He can make things. I mean, I mean, really, we read the Bible. You know, when, when people didn't get it right, he would, he would start all over. He'd be like, all right, check, check this out. You on my team, tell you what, on your door, just put a little red cross there. You good. The rest of them, they going to die. God would take people. Y'all know that. God would be like, he'd be like an eraser. Like, yo, they're just not getting it. All right, let's start all over. New game. <laughs> Restart. But y'all know God is not doing that now. You know why? Because he'd rather use you all to fulfill his mission, which is why he sent his son to look and live just like us, to suffer like you and I daily, to show you that even though my own son, whom I sent here in the flesh to be like you, I sent him here. I want to show you that I blessed him and I'll bless you the same way. You are the same heirs to the same kingdom that he is. That's not me. That's the Bible, y'all. You get no less than what he got on this earth. I want to use you to accomplish my mission. I want you all to be blessed. I put something in each and every one of you so that we can build this great kingdom. So that the, the, the people would know that I am for them and not against them. And that nothing can come against them that would ever prosper against their lives as long as they profess that I am their God. And there are millions in this world who have not heard that before. This is where you and I come into play. This is why we offer a 301 where you can discover your spiritual gifts, where you can learn how God has wired you. We're serious about it here at Mosaic. We don't want a bunch of people just to sit here and let's sing songs, let's listen to the preacher give a good word. Listen, if, y'all, if, that, if that's the best, then I wouldn't even come trying to set stuff up or even tear it down. If you're not getting any, anything from it where you're growing, I'm being real about that. God wants to use you. 
I can't tell you how he wants to use you. That's your job. That's between you and God. But I'm going to help you figure it out. Listen, we want to be the change in this world. We want to see change in this world. We have to be the change we want to see. And I'm praying that that starts with you all today. I really don't know where your walk is today. I don't know uh, what your relationship is with Christ. I don't know if you're in a place where you're ready to step outside of yourself and do more for him. But I pray that this word, this message really resonates within you. This is how I know God wants to use you. No matter what your history or your background is, no matter how flawed you think you are, In the very next chapter in the book of Acts, chapter 8, we read, in the the end of chapter 7, we read that they laid the clothes at the feet of a man named Saul. Saul, this man who actually gave the thumbs up, the green light, the go-ahead, to go ahead and kill one of the first apostles to be killed in this thing called the way, the movement, Christianity. He gives a thumbs up, the green light, to go on ahead and do it. And we go to the next chapter, and a couple chapters later, this same guy's name comes up again. This same guy named Saul, who was going around persecuting Christians, who was literally uh, uh, signing death certificates for people, Christians, to be murdered. He's walking on a road one day, and, 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 and he has a moment. The funny thing is, God used another man who was a nobody to tell him that God wants to use you. So he sent a man who spoke to Paul and Saul and Saul was walking along and he was blinded by the Holy Spirit and days later he received his sight again and we know the story, the Damascus Road story, he was not the same again. If God can do that for Saul, the Apostle Paul, he can do it for every single one of you whether you believe it or not. God wants to use you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you are today. I don't care what your past is. I don't care how you're feeling about the church, this church, me, or whatever. God wants to use you. You could be, (laughs) I don't know what he wants, wants you to do. I never knew he wanted me to be a pastor. I really didn't. But the thing that makes me different is that I was vulnerable and open to it. I was really in a place where, God, your will, not my will, be done. Anybody, people, any people in here believe that? God, not your, not my will, but your will be done. We need to be in a place where, our, where God's will is way more important than our will. Regardless of what we want, it may not be comfortable when God shifts your life and flips it upside down. But, baby, I promise you it's worth it. Whatever he wants you to do is so worth the sacrifice of your will. God wants to use you. And my question is, will you allow him to use you today? Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday 
mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.